Well, I just wanted to start with um, maybe some prayer. Dear Lord, thank you that we can gather here and escape from our week. Thank you that you've brought us here by your mercy and your grace. We ask that you would honor our attendance by opening our hearts, opening our spirits, and enlightening the eyes of our heart. Lord, we really do love you. Amen. Amen. Well, um, I'm going to need your help to present this. And the way you can help me is by praying for me. Amen. You know, that's a good practice um, when you are um, in a gathering where you're listening to someone speak, especially from the Word of God. Remember, this is the most important book on the face of the planet. So when someone is speaking from that awesome book, um, it's always good to pray for that person Amen. and to pray for God speaking to be released. Um, so yeah, that's how you can help me. If you start getting tired, you can pray for me. So today, um, we will be covering um, Daniel 2. And um, finally, we have exited Daniel 1 and are moving on to Daniel 2. We've spent, I don't know, four or five weeks on that because um, there was so much in Daniel 1. Um, I think we've covered two of Daniel's victories or his stands. The first one was his stand um, uh, concerning um, his identity, right? My name is Daniel. Um, and his second stand was diet, right? I will not eat your food. Amen. So in Daniel 2, now we're coming to uh, his third stand. Um, let's try this one. Okay. Uh, I don't know what this one says. Okay. We're not there yet, but I just wanted to see what was next. Okay. So, um, Daniel's third stand is actually concerning his vision. Um, and what is vision? Vision means that you can see something. A person that has no vision is blind, right? And what you see on your outline here, the first point, is Daniel overcoming the blindness concerning God's view. So, if you examine the world today, there's a certain kind of blindness that impairs people from seeing not just God himself, but also God's interests. Have you ever asked yourself, what is God's interest? How does, what is God's view? And this is the matter that we are getting to in Daniel 2. Um, so whenever we talk from God's point of view, it requires a lot of prayer and a lot of revelation. That's why I need you to pray for me. Because we're speaking not something from man's view, but something from God's view. And um, how many of you are familiar with the story of Nebuchadnezzar's dream? Okay, you're somewhat familiar. So I'll give a quick background. Not all the verses are on here because... You know, it just doesn't fit on all the pages. Um, 
And, you know, Daniel 2 says, the king, this is referring to uh, Nebuchadnezzar, verse 3. He says, I have dreamed a dream. Something that he dreamed, and it troubled him. Actually, it troubled him so much, he probably forgot what that dream was. And I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later. And what happens is, this dream is so troubling to him that he says, he gets all the magicians, all the uh, wise men, the conjurers, and he says, okay, I have this dream. I need you to interpret it for me. And not only that, but I need you to tell me what that dream was. And not only that, if you don't do those things, you're dead. A little unreasonable, don't you think? Um, we think our political leaders are unreasonable. This is unreasonable. And even his magicians, they ask him, well, King, what you're saying is really rare and kind of impossible, and only the gods can do that. But if you tell us the dream, we can surely interpret it. And he says, no, you have to tell me the dream, or you'll die. So uh, this news goes around, and it eventually finds its way to Daniel, because you know, he's among the wise people. Um, and Daniel, uh, here we have these verses, um, verse 16 through 19. Um, it's awesome that when Daniel, he heard of this um, predicament, you know what's the first thing he did? He didn't say, okay, I'm going to go fix it. I'm Daniel, you know, I can test, you know, I can, I, I know everything. I know how to fix this. I'll go to Nebuchadnezzar and you know, tell him, I'll, I, I can figure this out for you. Actually, look, listen to this verse. And, and I was so impressed by this. But it says, then, this is verse 17, then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, his companions. So here's a principle for us. I thought this was so helpful because don't you feel like sometimes you get put in a very impossible situation? You know what's the first thing you need to do? Go to your companions. Daniel, I am in a very uh, unfortunate situation. I need you to pray for me. Or Nathan, I am, hey, you know, I, I have, I'm, in a, I'm in a tough place. Uh, I, need, I need you to pray for me. I think sometimes what we do is, hey, Nathan, I need your advice. But Daniel didn't, <laughs> Daniel didn't ask for his friend's advice. He asked them, pray for me. Pray for the compassions that come from God. Uh, this is a really good pattern uh, for us to follow. Anyway, that's a really small point. Uh, and then in verse, uh, uh, then it continues in that section. After some time, it doesn't say how much, the mystery was revealed to Daniel. This is the mystery concerning Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And I'll get to the dream. We'll, we'll spend most of the time on Nebuchadnezzar's dream. But uh, this mystery comes to Daniel. So he sees something from God, something very special. And, man, Daniel's just awesome. You know what he does? He doesn't, again, go straight to Nebuchadnezzar and say, Nebuchadnezzar, I... I know what your dream is. 
and I can tell you all about it. Look at this verse. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of the heavens. This is another crucial principle for us. That whenever God answers our prayers, the first thing we need to do is bless God. Don't you want to be someone who blesses God? I think we all want to be people that are blessed by God, right? But how many of us want to be those that bless God? And I don't have the verses on here, but you can read them. It's verses, uh, this is chapter 2, verses 20 to 23. That's Daniel's blessing God. It's, it's a really awesome portion. I wish I had time to read it, but we really have to keep going. Um, um, so now we can go to Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Okay, so this is where I'm really going to need your help with uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. So we're going to see that this vision firstly came to Nebuchadnezzar. It didn't come to Daniel. Indicating that to receive something from God and to understand it, we have to have the right position. We have to have the right heart. We have to even care what God is speaking to us. It's very possible for God to speak to us and we can't listen because we don't care what he's saying. The difference between Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel was that Daniel cared about God's heart. Daniel cared about God's speaking, and Daniel cared about God's interest. So as I go through this um, uh, dream, it will be very academic. It will feel like a history class. I'm going to try to make it as as engaging as possible, but if we exercise to care for God's interests, we'll see that this is actually a very, very awesome vision to have. Um, and even it's a vision that we ourselves must receive. Um, so with that, um, let's go to the other one. Okay, I've got so many texts up here. Okay. Oh, oh, there we go. Okay. So before I get into this slide, into all, this, into all of its details, I'll just give you a brief overview of what Daniel saw. He saw, uh, or what Nebuchadnezzar saw, and then, and then Daniel saw. He saw an image, something like that, with um, a golden head, uh, a chest and arms of silver, abdomen and thighs of bronze, uh, legs of iron, and then feet, iron and clay. And then we'll get into all of those little details in a second. But Daniel saw this. He told it to the king. And then Daniel explained the interpretation of, all of what all of those little details means. But here's the key for us. This vision that Daniel saw is actually the key to all the visions in the rest of the book of Daniel. So if we want to be those that understand the rest of the book of Daniel, we need to understand this image. So that's why some parts might, be, might get a little dry, but just remember that this is the key to the book of Daniel. This is the key to understanding everything that Daniel saw. So we'll probably refer to this in future solid grounds. So I would even say, you know, bring this with you. 
you know, bring, bring it back with you. Don't, don't leave it here. Bring it next hologram, two Thursdays from now. Um, there's a table here for you to fill in the, the blanks too. Uh, for example, the answer to the first blank is what? Head of, head of fine gold. The head of fine gold. So that's the first blank. So the first part of the image uh, that Daniel saw was the head of fine gold. And Daniel, he says to Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. Indicating that the head of gold represents the kingdom of Babylon. Um, some little details about Babylon. 605, 539 BC, um, in the Bible, it's also referred to as Babel. The, uh, it's, called, it's in the land of Shinar. It's also referred to Chaldea. These are some of the verse references, Genesis 10, Genesis 11. And the key point here is that Babylon, what it stands for, it's the beginning of human government. This is absolutely seen in Genesis 10 with Nimrod. It says that Nimrod... Uh, begun his kingdom in the land of Shinar. He called it Babel. This eventually developed into Babylon, um, who its most notable figure, not just in the Bible, but also in history, is Nebuchadnezzar II, which is the same Nebuchadnezzar we're talking about. Um, and I think, oh yeah, I have a pointer. Yeah, you see that, right? That's clear? Okay. Now we go on to the breast and arms of silver. So this one's less clear, but you see that, right? That's the chest and the arms. So this is the next part of the image. Um, breast and arms of silver. So that's your next blank. Um, and also the verse references, I don't know if I put them on there, but the head of gold is verses 32 and 38. The breast and arms of silver is uh, the verse references are verses 32 and 39. This part of the image represents another kingdom. And it's the Medo-Persian Medo kingdom. Um, if, if, um, if you studied, I think high school history covers some of this. Uh, so some of this might seem familiar, but historians call this the Achaemenid Empire. Now, silver is less valuable than gold. And that indicates that this kingdom was inferior to the previous kingdom. And we see that because Medo-Persia, one of the biggest, uh, uh, or one of the coolest attributes about this kingdom is that they had a weakened central government because they established over 120 satraps, or governors, to delegate authority. So the, the central government was you know, delegated. That was one of the first of its kind. And you can also see that not just in history, but also in Daniel 6. Uh, they conquered Babylon, and they also released the Jews. So Persia shows up a lot in the Bible. Uh, Cyrus the Great is one of the uh, characters in the Bible. Well, eventually, I think we'll get to him in the book of Daniel. Um, but for sure, he's in, in, in the books of history. Um, okay, we still good? All right, you're still with me? Okay, great. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the point of this image in a second, but I think it's important if you have all these little details. 
So the next, the next part of the image is the abdomen and the thighs of bronze. And the verse references for that are verses 32 and 39 as well. This represents Greece. Um, Greece is also called Javan in the Bible, Genesis 10 and Daniel 8. And now consider the abdomen and the thighs. That's a big piece of the body, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's a, there's a lot of mass and weight and surface area in the abdomen and thighs. That characterizes the empire of Greece. It stretched all the way from India to Egypt, parts of Arabia, all the way into Turkey, and of course, southeastern Europe. So vast empire. So it's the, the largeness and the vastness of its government. Um, they conquered Persia. If you've seen 300, you know, this is, you're right, okay, yeah, Daniel. <laughs> this, is, this is one of the, the uh, 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 it's a real story. Yeah, this actually happened. Um, of course, y'all know Alexander the Great, notable figure, Antiochus IV. Uh, if you've heard of, you know, Hanukkah is a celebration of the defeat of Antiochus IV. So these are real people that's talked about in the Bible. Um, then the next part is the legs of iron. Legs of iron, the verse references are verses 33 and 40. And this is referring to the kingdom of Rome. Um, two legs refer to the divided Western and Eastern empires, right? Y'all know that Rome eventually became two large empires that were divided west and east. Um, now, iron, interestingly enough, iron is the strongest material in this, in this image, um, indicating the strength of Rome's government. You look at history, and wherever Rome went, they conquered, sometimes without even a fight. They just, I mean, look at this, the battles of Julius Caesar. That's why he was emperor, because he would just, wherever he went, strength, crushed, all of his opponents. Of course, this is the place of New Testament events, and these are just some notable figures. Uh, Julius Caesar, Nero, Constantine. Uh, Constantine was a big figure, um, also part of Christian history, but in, in the division of Eastern and Western uh, Rome. Okay, how was that? Is that okay? We're all, we have one more part left. Okay, this is where uh, I need a second wind to come because the feet, which is the most important part and is the most relevant to us. The feet are of iron and clay and they refer to post-Rome nations, so the successors of Rome, uh, modern day nations. So why do you think this is so relevant to us? We're a post-Rome nation. Many Bible scholars, are even just, you don't even have to be a scholar, you just read the Bible, and you, look, and you examine the world situation, it's very evident that we're in this part of the human image. Um, the mixture of iron and clay suggests that there's a mixture in governments, 
partly autocratic, partly democratic. You see that all over the world. There's the, because iron is still in the clay, there's an influence of the previous empire. And guess what? That's where we are today. Our government, republics. You know who came up with the Senate? Rome. Uh, you like your individual civil rights? Rome. Um, who knows Spanish? Portuguese? French? Latin? Italian? Romanian? Oh, Romanian. Oh, okay. Wow. All right. That was a long shot. You can thank Rome. They're, they're all um, the root of all of those languages. Romance languages are Latin, which come from Rome. Check out this, these buildings. One of them is a uh, federal building. The other one is a Roman temple. Which one? Which one do you think? Nathan, which one do you think is a federal building? <laughs> uh, no, the one on the left. That is the Supreme Court building, the U.S. <laughs> and the right is, uh, is uh, the Pantheon. Um, so even our architecture. And, and so I'm just showing you that you have to at least say that our society today surely is influenced by Rome. I think you're beginning to see that the world that we live in surely is a mixture of clay and iron, right? But praise the Lord that that's not where the vision ends. The vision, who knows how the vision ends? Go for it, James. Bam! Look at that stone. That's the best stone I found on Google. It looks pretty good. Smooth. Yes. The stone comes and crushes the image. But listen to this. The stone crushes the image, not at its head, but at its feet. Whoa, but I thought you said we're at the feet today. Oh, so what does that mean? This stone doesn't just refer to Christ, but it actually refers to the second coming of Christ. And the purpose of this Christ, of this stone, is to crush this image. So now the question is, what does the image mean? Because, you know, Christ isn't smashing humanity. That's, no, he needs humanity. So what is he smashing? What is he crushing? Even Daniel 2 says it becomes chaff and the wind carries it until there's no trace. What does God find so against them that there can't even be a trace of it? It's the totality or the aggregate of human government. All of those were human governments. The last one being led by the Antichrist. That's why I think two slides ago I had that one notable figure, Antichrist. At some point he's going to come. And Christ will smash that whole image at its feet. 
this, Daniel saw this 500, about a little over 500 years before Christ came. Before the book of Revelation was even written. And people say the Bible is inconsistent. I don't know, it's very consistent. It's very consistent. Um, and then, of course, God will establish... Um, okay. And then, uh, no, I'm not finished. <laughs> um, and God will establish his kingdom. Okay, so now back, I hope you got all those uh, titles, right? Stone cut without hands, that's the last blank. And the verses for that are 34 to 35 and, and 44 to 45. Um, so, let's see. Okay, so why does this matter to us? Why does this, why did God allow this to be in the Bible? Um, I think we can go ahead and read, let's all read Daniel 2.28. This is under Daniel's vision. Y'all have that, Daniel 2.28? Is that on there? Okay. Let's read that together. But there is a God in the heavens who reveals mysteries. Mm -hmm. your dream. So Daniel's vision was related to what will happen in the last days. So it's very clear. This image has something to do with the last days. Um, verse 35, I, I paraphrased it, but it says... Um, then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed all at one, and they became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. So imagine this. Daniel, he is there in the kingdom of Babylon, face to face with Nebuchadnezzar. A young man, I think last time we said he's maybe 15 Suppose a few years go by, maybe he's 20, maybe, I don't know, at some point. And he is observing this government that's anti-God, absolutely anti-God. But his view was not, I'm going to change this government. I'm going to stick, I'm going to just overthrow ba uh, Nebuchadnezzar. I'm going to overthrow the Babylonian system. No, his view was, the stone is coming. Whatever Nebuchadnezzar decided to do, the stone is coming. That was Daniel's stance. Nebuchadnezzar, the stone is coming. And Nebuchadnezzar, actually, he never got it. Later on, we'll see, he, he makes this human image. Um, but that was Daniel's vision. The stone is coming. And you know, that needs to be our vision. We need to be reminded that the stone is coming. And hopefully we've seen that the stone is coming, and he's coming soon. I mean, I, when I read this, I was just so impressed. Um, let's go on to um, Christ is the crushing stone. This is just a, a quick side point, but I think it'll help us because 
I want you to, I want you to have a, a good understanding when we talk about Christ as the stone. Because we just, we just sang a song, right? What did it say? It said, uh, on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. So, I, you know, I like tools that are multi-purpose. Okay, this stone is very multi-purpose. It does a lot of things. I didn't know you could do so much with a stone. But listen to this. First, uh, he's a foundation stone to the believers. That's Isaiah 28. Um, a precious cornerstone as a foundation firmly established. That's what we've been singing, right? That's our, our, our theme song. Do you not have Christ as your foundation stone? To the Jews, however, he's a stumbling stone, right? What does stumbling look like? They didn't fall, but they stumbled. But the smiting stone, which is to the nations, and this is the same stone, uh, Matthew 21, 42 says, uh, the stone which the builders rejected, referring to Christ himself. And then two verses later, he says, and he who falls on this stone. There is a difference between stumbling and falling. The Jews have not fallen, but they've stumbled. But the nations, anyone that doesn't believe in the Lord, shall be broken to pieces. But on whomever it falls, it shall crush him to powder and scatter him like chaff. What does this sound like? Sound like it sounds like Daniel's prophecy or Daniel's vision. Um, now let's go to the last point. Uh, God's view must become our view. I kind of talked about this a little bit, but I think we can learn a lot from our brother Peter. Because he, I think, can summarize everything that we're talking about today in these four verses. He says, um, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief. You know, a thief, he comes uh, secretive, right? He doesn't knock on the front door, right? He, he doesn't just say, I'm here. Christ will come in a secret way in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements burning with intense heat will be dissolved and the earth and the works in it will be burned up. The earth, not just the earth, but the works as well. Again, referring to the human government. Since all these things are to be thus dissolved, listen to this, what kind of person ought you to be? Have you, ever asked, has, have you ever asked yourself, what kind of person should I be? He says, in holy manner of life and godliness, but then he gives a very clear definition. Expecting and hastening the coming of the day of God. This matches up with Daniel, because that's how Daniel lived his life. I hope we actually get through the whole book of Daniel this semester. I don't know at the rate we're going. <laughs> I don't know if we'll finish, but I hope we do, because then we see a full picture of Daniel, who was one who lived a life expecting for the Lord to come back, for the Lord to come. Um, and then it says, um, um, 
on account of which the heavens being on fire will be dissolved and the elements burning with intense heat are to be melted away. But according to his promise, we are expecting new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. I, this was so fresh to me. You know where, the right, where righteousness dwells? It's not in human government. It's very clear. It's in his promise for a new heaven and a new earth, referring to God's kingdom, which according to Daniel is the stone that becomes a mountain. And I think this is the point, is if we put all of our hope on our government, and the reason I say our government is because, uh, you know, if you don't have God, what do you have? Government. If you don't have God, where do you, I mean, who, who takes care of you? It's, it's your government. And maybe we think, oh, well, I'm not dependent on the government. Well, consider your experience. Without God, what do you have? Where's your protection coming from? Where does your supply come from? Where does the, your rights come from? The government. So we become automatically dependent on the government if we're not dependent on God. And I'm not talking, and by the way, don't misunderstand me. This is not a, any political statement or any political uh, message. There's nothing subliminal here. You know, you just throw that out of your mind. The goal here is that we would put our, our how should I say it? We would put everything that we have in God that um, we would give our lives to him and to his interests. If we give our lives trying to reform this human image, maybe you can make the iron a little shinier. But at the end of the day, the stone is coming. And the best way to spend our lives is not to reform this human image. The best way to spend our lives is to expect, and I love this word, hasten the coming day of God. Um, this was Peter's view. This was the example of Daniel. And I believe that this is something that we ourselves are able to do. We're able to participate if we have this vision. You can't do that if you don't have the vision. The vision is what enables you to live like this. If you have a vision that the stone is coming, come on, Daniel, the stone is coming, then that's the way we'll live. We'll live expecting and hastening the stone. Um, and I think that's something that's needed because, you know, it's 2020. There's an election cycle coming up. Super Tuesday just happened. So this is what, this is the, the airwaves are filled with, with, you know, government and this, this, that. And I'm not saying we don't need to be active. I'm not saying, you know, don't participate. I'm not saying don't be concerned. Uh, that, that's not the point. The point is the stone is coming. And we should do everything we can to expect and hasten the coming of that stone. Um, anyway, I think uh, this is a good place to stop.